Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that, and we'll get you a live personal answer, custom tailored to whatever you got. Just have to get the time zone right. <laughs> there you go. Just call while we're on the air. There you go. And folks in Baton Rouge, of course, it's very, very easy because if you sure. if you hear if you can hear us, we're you, on. That's it. <laughs> but if you're listening on a podcast or you're listening on one of the other broadcast services, maybe that's not the case because our podcast goes out a week after right. the live show because it takes me time to, to go on and edit the commercials out and all that sort of thing and put it on our server so that it becomes available to you. So you're listening to a signal from a week right prior. But I guess if you're on like iHeart, that is a live, live feed. We broadcast the uh, feed from here at the station. So however you're doing it, that's the way you can <laughs> go about it. Have a little calculator on the website. If you go to that as a little stopwatch, and if you hit that stopwatch, it'll tell you exactly when our show is coming on. And if you hit it within one hour of when the show comes on, it'll take you to the iHeart feed where okay. it'll automatically hook you up live. Oh, that's great. Yeah. so it, Easy it, way to listen. Well, yeah, it makes it a little easier to try to find and do all the math and everything, but it will adjust for wherever you happen to be, your time zone. It'll tell you how long it is until the automotive hour runs again, so you can calculate exactly when you want to be there. Cool. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to our phone line with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. I want to tell you a little experience. Thursday, I went to the Toyota place, I ain't going to say which one, and had my tires rotated for free. And when I got back home, I said, you know, I'm going to check these things to make sure they're not over-torqued. And it's alloy wheels, which the, the book says 97 foot-pounds. Yes, and the steel wheels, like 153 or something like that. Well, I put my toy wrench on a, I got two different kind of old spring tip one, you know, and, and mm -hmm. then the type that clicks. And I pegged them both out, and I took the 18-inch breakover handle and two of the lug nuts out of six. I had to stand up on, and wow. they squawked and popped when they come loose. <laughs> wow. you know? And I called over there and talked to them, and then they didn't get a call back, and I called again, and they said, well, we talked to the people in the back, and they decided that the Tundras needed extra. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just thought that out on their own, did they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said, well, they, I didn't know them people back there. That we're the engineers. Were, <laughs> yeah, was, was, were smarter than the t Toyota people. Yeah, you know, no but, kidding, no. Yeah. Wow. So anyhow, if I told her, I said, if I'd have got caught off on the road with this Toyota lug wrench, and that's the only thing I had, I said, I'd have to call somebody because with that thing is angled, you can't stand up on it too handily. Nah, you know, let, your wife, let your wife hold the other end and chill. Yeah. times I done stomped on her, she ain't likely to do that. that that's <laughs> it. That's it. You know, unfortunately, in dealerships, what I have noticed, you got A, B, and C techs. And – of course, the ATEC is a guy who's doing the transmission rebuilds, the engine overhauls, and the, the diagnosis and all that sort of stuff, stuff. technical stuff. Yeah. The BTEC kind of takes what the ATEC hands off to him. And then the CTEC is basically a trainee or flunky kind of guy who just does stuff. And so often, the lower skilled, as they think, task like that gets delegated to the CTEC. So mm -hmm. you're really not getting a factory trained expert as they profess when you go in and have these type services performed. I've always felt that's why they fall so short on maintenance and tire rotation, things like that. I know we have every one of our techs are equally qualified, you know, L1 master techs. And maybe some people say that's a waste to have somebody like that changing your oil. But I like to have someone who knows what they're doing under that car. I like everything right. done right. I like that lug torque exactly right. 
I like that drain plug torqued exactly right. And I want somebody who's going to spot a potential problem while he's under there. Right. You don't want thread from the pan coming out in your plug when you take the thing out yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Being metal on That's it. right. be still on the pan, you know. That's right. All right. Well, I just wanted to All right, her. people know that. Just, you know, it might wouldn't hurt to check that kind of stuff because you get out on the interstate well, on a vacation right. trip, you know, and you, there you are with Well, you got a little, little, lug nuts little 12, 14-inch lug wrench because they don't want you to over-torque them. That's why they give you a shorter lug wrench, and you're trying to break loose something where some moron put it down with an air gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All righty. All right, man. Thanks. I told, I told that lady, I said, I said, I've had them tell me before, we got our uh, impact wrenches calibrated. Yeah, yeah. You can't calibrate no Yeah, how do you calibrate range? impact, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, thank thanks, you. man. All right, bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. We're going back to the line with Bo. Good morning, Bo. Good morning, Lewis. Thanks for taking my call. I've learned so much from you. The number one thing is I cannot work on a modern vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> my question is I have a 2007 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay. And every now and then it just starts – it'll start running hot. It won't be like in the red part of the mm-hmm. meter, but it'll be running hotter than normal. Yes, sir. And sometimes what we'll do is we'll turn the car off and back on, and it'll fix it. And it happens probably maybe once a week, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes two times a week. Okay. Let me ask you two questions, Bo. When you say it fixes it, if let's say it's three-quarters of the way up. You turn the key right. off, turn it back on. Does it immediately go to a normal state? Yep. When we, we turn the car off and cycle it back on, mm-hmm. it, um, it sometimes it fixes it and it runs like at a normal, you know, temperature. Yeah. But the gauge and immediately comes back down or does it just slowly come back down? Comes back and down immediately. That almost sounds like an electrical problem to me, Bo. I mean, the mm, engine doesn't yeah. just cool back down immediately. That would be physically impossible. I mean, it could be something like the temperature sensor is going bad. And it's reading erratically, and when you're turning the key off and then turning it back on, you're resetting the reading. Also, I'm not sure on that Santa Fe, but on some cars, you're not getting live data on your gauge. You're getting kind of a calculated data. What it does, it takes several samples, maybe from multiple sensors, and then the computer calculates a temperature that it displays to you. It's called inferred temperature. And, of course, when you turn the key off, turn it back on, the computer reboots, so it clears all that out, and maybe it goes back to an actual. That almost sounds more like an electrical issue, possibly a sensor, possibly the PCM. I would probably check first. What year did you say it was? It's a 2007. Okay, older model. I would see if there's a flash update, first off, that maybe covers that because when the – Software is written for your car, just like Windows or anything else. They're constantly coming out with updates. They may have noticed that after so many miles, this starts to occur, so they issue an update which changes the strategy of the way it checks it, which may fix it. That's one thing. If that's not it, you're going to have to check or have someone check all the sensors and stuff to see what the inputs to the PCM are. You're not having any other problems with the car that you've noticed, maybe a rough idle, fast idle, check engine light, or any of that kind of stuff? I mean, honestly, I'm visually impaired so much mm-hmm. my wife mm-hmm. she, she looks at the gauges and i she, it may come down if it did come down slowly what uh, was that well now if it came down slowly the next thing i would need to know is when does it occur in other words does it occur when the car is sitting at an idle like you come to a stoplight and the temperature starts to go up or does it yes okay and not it doesn't do it like when you're going down the road 60 miles an hour no that that brings it usually brings it back down to good good range. good yeah, yeah. Now, see, that breaks it down. It, if, it all, if it occurs at an idle, it's going to be an airflow-type issue. And you're not getting enough airflow through the radiator. 
Because anything like a stuck thermostat or a plugged radiator or a blown head gasket or any of that will increase with load because of capacity issue. So the longer you drive and the faster you drive, the hotter it'll get. So that's not what you're into. So as far as your question about a thermostat, not very likely at all. More likely okay. the cooling fans. Got two fans on that radiator that come on and the computer cycles them on and off. And it can also cycle speed up and down. So if they're, what he's saying is if, if they're running, don't just assume they're running correctly. Right. They could be running at 50% rather than 99% and just not enough airflow at an idle to keep the car cool. So the temperature is going to start to rise. Now, it may not go all the way up, you know, because it's got some airflow, but it may just not have enough. So I would check first and make sure both of those fans are coming on. If one fan's running and the other one isn't, you could have a bad fan. If both fans are coming on, you'd have to have a scan tool, a Hyundai scan tool to test and see if they're at the proper speeds because a bad fan motor can cause that, either one, or the controller, which is a little part that makes the speeds for them, can cause that. Also, if it's getting the improper input, that can cause that. So it's very likely going to be an airflow-type issue. The only thing simple that you might just try is if the radiator gets a lot of dust and dirt and debris in it, it can restrict the airflow going through there. Sometimes you could take a garden hose and just wash that out real good, and that may help with it if it's not too bad. When you look through the grill, you're going to see the, the front of the condenser first, the mm -hmm. air conditioning condenser. Right. If it's dirty, it needs to be cleaned also. Yeah, because it'll but damage the AC. There is a gap between the two that tends to get dirty with leaves and debris. It just happens to get in there. If you look underneath the, the modern vehicle, it's hard to believe that something can get between the two components, but it does. Mm -hmm. Leaves, okay. dirt, and that will slow the, the cooling process down yeah, because it's airflow. actually blocking the airflow. Right, and it's 60 miles an hour. Of course, you got 60 mile an hour wind blowing through it, so, so it it's not matter. an issue any longer. Right, right. Okay, well, All right. thank you so much. Okay, Bo, where are you calling from? Baton Okay, good. Great. Yeah, oh, yeah, check that and see. Sometimes if you can take the top cover yeah. off and you can get down between the two and kind of spread them apart where you can get in there with a garden hose, wash it out real good, that may help the problem right there. But make sure both fans are working. Okay, if that doesn't work, I'll be seeing you soon. Okay, Bo. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. man. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. we got to take a quick little break. David, Clay, you guys, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. You are in the office and, whoa, what is up with all the charts and graphs, buddy? Oh, I'm using my system I've developed to keep up with the uh -huh. maintenance on my three cars. Is that an armillary? Yeah, sometimes. Yes, yes it is. Sometimes so it does not The oil right. gets changed every third I... full moon. Brake pads divide the years Becky and I have been married by our oldest son's age. Timing belt is leap year, except when it's on y the time. You know there's a better way, right? I just take my cars into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They give me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need. Sometimes it's just an oil change and they send me on my way. One time, they caught something that could have led to a huge repair. Saved me thousands. Wow, that sounds great. You know, I'm always trying to save money any way I can. Uh, let me get Agco's number online and uh, give them a call. Is that dial-up? Dude, there's a better way to save money. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us, the Automotive Hour. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just give us calls, 291-6901. And we're going back to our phone lines with David. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. 
I wanted to ask you about a question I had about a 2008 Expedition EL. Okay. I'm over in the Texas Hill Country and was pulling an empty boat trailer, so I had it set to tow haul. Okay. And was going up and down some hills, got to where I was taking the trailer, parked it, still left the vehicle in tow haul, and started heading back home and came up another hill, and it kind of sounded like the transmission was making like a rubbing noise. It wasn't mm-hmm. grinding or anything else, so I mm-hmm. took it out of tow haul, and it went away and never came back. Yeah. So is that something I need to try to replicate and find out when that noise is happening, or how should I try I to... wouldn't be too, too concerned about that, David, because what happens when you go to tow haul, it does a couple of things. Number one, it boosts the pressure to the clutches. Number two, it extends the shift strategy out somewhat. But if it's in tow haul and doesn't really require it, it could just be some pump noise or something like that. Has the transmission been serviced recently? About 20,000 miles ago. Okay, okay. So it's not likely going to be a plug filter or anything like that. I would make sure that they got the right fluid in the transmission because I believe that one requires Mercon SP. Some of them take Mercon 5, some take SP. you got to be real careful to get the right fluid in the right transmission. And a lot of times when they service them, they will put the improper fluid. Now, it's not going to burn up right away, of course. But that SP has some additional additives in it that quiet some things down like that. So you might just want to check the specification on your vehicle, and you'd have to have the VIN number to know exactly what transmission and what fluid it requires. I think that one has a dipstick, doesn't it? I don't remember. What year was it? What year is it? 08. 08. I think it does. If it's got a dipstick, look on the dipstick, and it'll say Mercon SP or it'll say Mercon 5. Yeah, it should be written somewhere on the the stick itself. Right, and then check your invoice and make sure they put the right fluid in it because that would be one thing that could cause that, and it would be worse if it were in tow haul mode because the pressures are higher. Not really a critical thing, but I would probably have it resurfaced with the right fluid if that's the case. Most likely, if it does not occur in normal driving, it's not a big deal. I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. Okay. Sounds good. All righty. Thanks for your help. Okay, man. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. We're going back to our line with Clay. Good morning, Clay. Hey, Lewis. This is Clay Whitman from Georgia. Hey, Clay. How you doing, man? Good, good. You talked to my dad, Herb, earlier. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you. I bought a 08 Tundra. Just really cherry condition has 60,000 miles on it we got about 65 on it now mm-hmm. and when when i got it the ford dealer that had it told me that it the uh they'd had it checked at toyota because there was a vibration that kind of low speed mm-hmm. uh, like 30 35 miles an hour toyota said i called and talked to the technician because i wanted to hear it from their mouth mm-hmm. uh, they said that his drive shaft was out of spec basically yeah they had some trouble uh, with that yeah, so it's going to be like 1400 bucks to have them do it. There was a driveline shop like they used to have there in Baton Rouge here in Atlanta. And I took the truck in, and uh, they rebuilt it totally. They said the U-joints were bad. They put all new Spicer parts. It pretty much took care of the problem, but I still have got a little vibration. And I took it back to them. They took it off, put it back on the machine, the drive shaft, and it, they showed me it, it was perfect. So I've got a vibration coming from somewhere else. What uh, sure. speed do you feel that, Clay? It's at about 65 miles an hour okay. is where it starts to come in at. And well, it, it let, me, lasts, let me ask you this. It lasts for about 10 or 12 miles an hour. You can feel it, and I think it's whatever it is. It's kind of the speed kind of overcomes it. You know well, yeah, I mean? you, it just drones right. out. You have a, what's called a harmonic is where you're going to feel it. What you need to do is try to get it up to maybe about 70 to 75. Kick it in neutral, let it coast back down through that range. 
and see if it still right. if it still shows up coasting, then it's going to be one series of things. If it does not show up in a coast but does show up under load, that's going to be another series of things. So I've actually done that, mm-hmm. and it's still there when it's in neutral. And I, if it's still know, there in neutral, it's not likely a drive shaft, right? Because all that's unloaded right. now, right? More likely, it's going to be like a wheel tire kind of a thing, especially at that high of a speed. Most of the right. stuff, like the drive shaft, is going to be at lower speed, like it was before, because your drive yeah, shaft is spinning three times fast as the wheels. So, sure, sure. you know, at sixty-five, that drive shaft turned two hundred miles an hour. It's probably beyond most of his vibration. You'd have felt it at a lower speed yeah. if yeah. it was that. Yeah, I put a different set of tires on it right after I got it, and the vibration stayed there. Did it uh, affect it at all? Did it change at all? Change no. speed range? It, no. Uh, I mean, the, the tires were just ever so slightly larger, uh-huh. some all terrains, but it did bump it up, you know, where it was originally at 63 right. or so. It was about 64, 65. Yeah, that's just a bigger tires turning a little slower. I would probably suspect like a wheel or something, maybe a wheel or a hub, hub yeah. you know, one of the hubs yeah. that run out in it. You can just have well, to get someone who knows what to do and put an indicator on that stuff and find out because it, inevitably that vibration is going to cause you some problems. You know, it's like taking a hammer yeah. and beating on the car and it's vibrating from zero miles an hour on up. It's just that the car is absorbing it until you get to 63 to 65. Then it passes it on yep. to you. And if you if you let it go, you're going to notice it's going to start coming down. It's going to start coming down to 62. You'll start feeling it lower speeds. Right, because yeah. things are starting to, to wear out. get loose and wear out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what the guy up there, he thought it was the front hub bearing. It's a two-wheel drive Tundra. And, but, but he jacked it up, and he said, I, I know we're going to have some play. And he, he felt of it. There was like no play. Yeah, but so you don't have to have any there. play if right. the hub flange is running out. Like if it's wobbling more than about a thousandth of an inch. Let's say it's got three thousandths run out in that hub. Well, three yeah. thousandths doesn't sound like a lot, but by the time it gets to the end of a 31-inch tire, that's about an eighth of an inch. Right. You see, so that tire's uh, wobbling yeah. side to side. And I've even seen instances where the bolt pattern was drilled off-center, and it'll vibrate the devil out of you. It may have come that way from Toyota. Who knows? I mean, it's not common, but those kinds of things happen. The point is, a vibration at that speed that does not change in neutral is very likely going to be a suspension-type vibration. There's a very, very small chance it could be an exhaust vibration sometimes the exhaust system can cause that a lot of times you'll see a, a weight hanging off of the side of an exhaust pipe underneath the vehicle with no obvious reason what it's there for but when you start thinking about it they use that to cancel out the vibration so it's not passed through onto the, right. the driver and the first right. guy who went in there he decided well i'm going to do something he took that off and didn't put it back on well it doesn't even show up anywhere in service data it's not even doesn't exist yeah. right go to toyota they don't have a picture yeah. of it or anything but it was on there originally yeah. So those are very hard to find, but I would still go after the wheels and tires first. Make sure all the wheels are running true, all the flanges are running true in both lateral and radial runout. If you have nothing there at all, and if you rotate the tires and it makes no difference, that kind of eliminates the wheels but not the hubs. I would maybe start looking at the exhaust system and see if you can find another identical Toyota and get under it and see if maybe there's a big counterweight under there somewhere on one of the pipes. That you don't have. Also, yeah. if the exhaust has been modified in any way where somebody's put a different type of hanger on it, you know, sometimes right. the factory hangers have a lot of slack in them that allow that stuff to vibrate. And somebody says, oh, this is too loose. And they go in there and put a different kind of hanger to tighten it up. Well, then you got a vibration, see? Right, right. Yeah, these aren't the, they're, they're factory wheels, but this is a, a this is the second setup. It's not the original wheels, but mm-hmm. they're after, they're just a prettier set of factory 20s. Well, and make sure, uh, and it, too. Make sure that the center hole on that wheel is identical to the center hole hub size on your hubs 
because those vary from it vehicle is. to vehicle. And, yeah, and so yeah, those, it, those it, are hub centric. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, these came off of a, just a different uh, package tundra. Yeah, I know, but you still uh, got to check that because right. I've seen those be 20,000 sure. bigger on one because they had a bigger brake system on the other car and had a heavy duty brake. So that center hole right. would be slightly larger. The way you can tell that is if you put the wheel on the hub with no lug nuts on it, you should not be able to move it at all. None. Zero play in it, up or down. Up or down. If you can move it right. four or five thousandths of an inch, that's way too much. It's not going to center straight on the truck. So even though it's perfectly balanced off the truck, if it doesn't center up, it's going to vibrate on the truck. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to have this, the suspicion that it could be the front hub. Uh, I've possible. had a Yukon that it that it went out. Mm-hmm. Well, they went out in the old, you know, three Yukon. And right. It, I know what it felt like, and I know my daughter's 15 Focus, the rear hubs, both of them went right. on, on it, and it, but it roared, you know. Right. Well, right. there's multiple ways. It's just like people die a lot of different ways. Your bearings yeah, go out yeah. a lot of different ways. Sometimes they roar. Sometimes they get slack in them. Sometimes they just got run out in them. I mean, there's all kind of ways they can go. And each one's going to have yeah. a different symptom, even though it's the same problem. Yeah. Okay, dokie. All righty. Well, I will, uh, I'll dig into that this yeah. afternoon. Check those things, see what you can't find. Yep, I'll do it. I appreciate you. Hi, Clay. All Thanks, right, man. man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901. I think we can get. Yeah, we're getting their thumbs, thumbs up, <laughs> so let's give it a shot. Okay, I'm trying to read it. There we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tim, good morning, Tim. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. I got a 2009 Lincoln MKS. Mm-hmm. And every now and again, when you put it in reverse or go to drive, it, the transmission will make a clunk. It'll just sound like it's you revved it up and threw it in gear. Right. A number of possibilities there, Tim. The number one thing I would want to check is make sure you don't have an engine mount that's either well, weak or broken. Mm-hmm. I just had both of those replaced. It was four altogether. Right. Well, I had the, uh, the left and the right transmission and the one on the yeah left. more likely that would be a front fine. or rear not a left or right so you left or right hold the whole assembly up and normally those okay. will cause a vibration but the front and rear cause it when it rocks back and forth so right. i would well, it was rocking back it was it, they were bad mm-hmm. and they replaced the two that were bad well, well they, I they mean, may two have were bad yeah yeah if two were bad probably the other two aren't too far behind right. it particularly if it doesn't okay. do it every time you know you could have well, a little tear or weak spot because the front and rear is what controls the rock back and forth the other two hold the whole engine up okay but that's where your rock is at now if that is not the case then you would need to note when it is that it occurs and if it occurs like after you've driven it for a long ways let's say you've driven it 15 miles and then you go and shift it that's when it does it more then you would have to look at what they call the shift adapts on your transmission computer because it could be that transmission is boosting pressure for some reason you see, there's, okay. a, there's a turbine sensor on the converter, and it's an output sensor on the output shaft. Computer constantly okay. compares the two. If it starts to see a difference in speed between those two, that's not normal. What it will right. do is it will boost the pressure in the transmission. The electronic pressure control solenoid will start to open. Now, when that okay. that opens, it's going to boost that pressure up. It's going to slam in gear, like you said, just like you revved it up and shifted it. Right. So, but it stores that data. It's called a shift okay. data. Because it does it mostly when it's cold. Usually when you first get in it, and mm-hmm. it might not do it for a week, and then it might do it twice. Yeah, if it's doing it cold after it's been off, then the shift adapts are not likely because right. it clears that whenever you cycle turn the key, key off and cycle, it has to rebuild. More likely okay. that could be something, if it's, if all the mounts are good, I'd be looking at some type of an internal transmission issue going on. Could be right. a seal that's bypassing inside the transmission. Once it gets hot, it gets soft and starts to apply like it should. 
uh, like right. the, the pistons and drums can bind slightly. So what they do instead of smoothly moving in and smashing the clutches together, it just jams in. You it's it hesitates and then slams in. Right. Sometimes well, a service can solve that. Yeah, the mechanic told me that it's just that there's a non-serviceable transmission. No, there's no, no. such thing as a non-serviceable no. transmission. That's hopefully you need to find another mechanic. And they're okay. all serviceable. Some of them don't have a filter you can remove, right. but it's still serviceable. Right. You do a double you drain even and have fill. A dipstick on this one. Yeah, you do a double drain and fill. But that how many miles you got on it? About sixty. Okay, never yeah. been serviced. No. Yeah, yeah I, I would, would definitely look at. Yeah, I would definitely look at a service first. And while you're having it serviced, ask the technician if there's a software update. For shift concerns on That's that right. model. A lot of times there are updates to the software that will address those types of problems. Right. But like I said, and when I met cold is I could drive it, when I first get in it and drive it, say, 10, 15 miles, get out of it and get back in it, and it might do it again. And then it might not do it ever. So it might not be that it's actually cold, but it's, it's when, usually it's when you go to reverse. Very seldom has it ever done it when I go in to drive. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because I've even told my wife, well, just put it in neutral and then yeah. put it in drive first and then go to reverse, and it never does it. Yeah, I would check that front motor mount yeah, real good. Maybe get somebody else to look at that and just see what they think. Because, man, that sounds like a broken engine mount to me, the front or rear, one of the front or rear mounts. And now, I did notice the other day when I went to, we were on the interstate, mm-hmm. and I went to go around a car, and I put down on the accelerator, right. and it kind of hesitated. Yeah. It kind of revved up, and then it went, but it, it, it kind of felt like it slipped. Hmm. Well, again, It may that, have been downshifting, Yeah, though. it could have been downshifting if you, if okay. you got down on it. Because yeah. when that uh, map sensor sees you or the throttle position sees you get down on it, it's going to shift it to a lower gear to make more power. Right. And so okay. you're going to get have been a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Between the, the But, shift. again, I would check first off the motor mounts. If that's not it, I would check the shift adapts and make sure you're not boosting any additional pressure in there. And okay. see, a Ford scan tool with an IDS, you can go in and read stuff that's not even current. Yep. You, know, you can read history stuff that may have been in there or tell you what's going on. Last thing, well, I would definitely have it serviced. Correct service. A correct service, yeah, not a flush. And that's new anyway because that should have been done at 50,000 yeah. miles. Those transmissions are somewhat problematic anyway. We find a lot, a lot of failures at them around 100,000 because people don't service them. I'd be doing it about every 30. Yeah. And I, that's just take it to a transmission shop and they'll service it? Or should be able to. Yeah, yeah, any good quality shop. What the, what area of the country you live in, Tim? Baton Rouge. Oh, you're in Baton okay. Rouge? Well, yeah. we can do it for you. Right. Just any good quality shop. Okay. And uh, what does that mean when you say service? They just change the filter? No. Fluid I'd in? have to check what transmission you got. Some of them, the filter is not able to be changed you have to do a double drain and fill well that's what he said this one was yeah some are some are and some you can change the filter it just depends on which one's in that particular car because they use about five different transmissions in that car and each one of them has a different fluid he said the valve body cover was plastic or something because Every now and then you'll hear like a ping pong ball bouncing yeah. over there. And he See, they have a, the valve body. They have a lot of trouble with the valve bodies going out on those cars. The valve yeah. bodies just wear out. Because what they right. did, Ford, in their infinite wisdom, went to a pulse-modulated valve body instead of the old shift on-off like they used to have. Right. And what it does, it constantly moves those valves back and forth. The steel valve and aluminum valve body wears the valve bodies out. Yeah. And then they okay. start doing all kind of weird stuff like that. Okay. And that would be something they could fix as, as well rather than replacing? Well, if he was telling me to replace the transmission with $6,000. Well, it's not it's quite that much, but it's a lot. It <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, but it's not that much. But sometimes well, you can. Doing it also. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you can replace the valve body. It just depends how many miles are on it, what condition the rest of the transmission's in. Valve body is extremely expensive. It's inside the transmission, so it's a pretty big right. deal to do even that. 
Normally, if it's higher miles, a lot of metal and transmission, we don't recommend doing that because you, you're spending two-thirds the price for rebuild, and, and you don't still don't have a rebuilt transmission. Well, that's what he really told me was the best thing to do is just take easy on it, drive it until it completely goes yes. out, and then well, you could do that. keep it. You know, either sell it now or keep it until right. and replace the transmission. You could do that, but I would certainly check yeah. those other issues first. I'm definitely going to check the motor mounts. Like I said, he, he showed me the ones that he took oh, yeah. out, and they were crumbled. No, no doubt no, about those. The bad. It's just the other ones. Oh, it may not have been quite as bad, but maybe bad also. Yeah. Okay. All right, right, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We got to take our second quick little break. We'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. So, Tina, are you interested in shopping next weekend? Oh, well, me and Harold leave for our European cruise on Friday. Another cruise? What? Are you all blowing the kids' inheritance? <laughs> no, we're just smart with our money. Like, our cars are paid off, and we're big on preventative maintenance. Harold takes them in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what we need to keep the cars running right. You'd be surprised on how fast you can save for a cruise without two car notes. <laughs> wow, I never thought of that. I have time to do a little shopping this afternoon, though. I've got to get Harold a bathing suit. He keeps saying he wants one of those tiny Speedo suits because that's what everybody wears in Europe. And I cannot let that happen. Okay, now I have an image of Harold strutting around the pool in a Speedo. I think I'm going to book a general inspection from Agco to clear my mind. He wanted hot pink, too. (laughs) Tina, stop. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us calls, 291-6901. And you can reach us in Baton Rouge live right now. That's right. And should you happen not to want to be on the radio with us or maybe think of something after we go off the air, you can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O. A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Click the button, and a little form is going to come out and fill it out with the vehicle you're working on and the symptom that you're having, and click the button and send it to us. There you go. I'll try to get you an answer back within 24 hours, sometimes a lot faster, just depending on where I happen to be at time. Time of day. Time of day. <laughs> or the day. Where I am in uh, proximity to the computer. There you go. So, anyway, that's the other way you can get a answer to your question, but the best thing is just call us live. And that's that way it. you can get a direct in-person one. Now, had a couple of transmission calls today right. which are good and next week i know you're going to be out for a little r&r right but i'm gonna have josh wilson who is our transmission expert from agco in the studio right so if you have any transmission questions you might want to think those up and write them, write them down write them down for next week there you go give us a call next week and josh will be here so he can give you a more definitive answer than either brian or i can i had a gentleman speaking about transmission questions who had sent an email uh-huh. had a couple of questions he wanted if we would address this on the air and the first one was, he says that he has a habit of, like, when he backs out, before the car has completely come to a stop, he'll drop it in a drive. Okay. And he wondered if that would damage the car. Right. And I guess, like anything else, it's a matter of degree, how often you do it, how much you do it, and at what speed you do it. Certainly, if you're backing up five miles an hour, drop it and drive, you probably are going to do some damage. Because what's happening when you shift it into drive from reverse, the momentum of the car is still traveling one way, and the output shaft is turning in that direction because it's tied to the wheels. Right. But what happens is the clutches apply, and when they apply, everything in the system tries to keep turning in well, that same it's direction. shocked, and it goes to the way it's turning, 
and the torque converter slips. Mm-hmm. But that torque converter is designed not to slip above a certain speed. At an idle, it can slip. But when it's turning faster, it doesn't slip so well. So it shocks the entire drivetrain. So, again, the answer to the question is it would depend on time and degree. Certainly not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Another thing is it does stress the motor mouse and all because the whole motor and all tends to jam over when that occurs. Right. So probably best to come to a complete stop before then shifting shift into it. the next gear. Or the different direction gear. Different direction for changing direction. Now, obviously, if you do it at maybe a half mile an hour and you do it once every two weeks, it's probably not going to do any distinct damage because there is a certain amount built into the car that can tolerate that. But probably not a good idea. Yeah, it's not a good habit, habit to, to get, get into. into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A second question that we get a lot on that same topic, and people tell me that what I like to do is when I come to a stop, I shift to neutral okay, rather than sit there in drive, in drive. like at a red light or whatever. And they want, does that harm the transmission? And again, the answer is no, it doesn't harm the transmission. It may put a little more wear and tear on the shift linkage and stuff. Under certain conditions, that can be a good thing because the transmission can cool faster if there's you no shift load it to neutral it you take the load off of it takes the load off of it you can even accelerate the rpm just slightly you know it's bringing it up to maybe a thousand twelve hundred rpm which will circulate the fluid a little faster so while it's probably not necessary under normal conditions if for some reason let's say you're towing or a lot of really high stop and go traffic you'll notice taxi drivers do that a lot mm-hmm. and it's because they're in that constant stop and go stop and go stop and go they may even have a transmission temperature gauge on their car, and they've noticed that if you shift to neutral, bring the RPM up just slightly, that transmission cools back down. Right. So probably not necessary for the vast majority of drivers, but not really harmful, except insofar as it can cause a little additional wear and tear to the shift linkage. And you got to remember, too, if you're sitting there in traffic with your foot on the brake and the vehicle in neutral, vehicle traffic goes to take off and you forget you're sitting in neutral right you're gonna be embarrassed gonna be, at, yeah, least. at least probably yeah. have a lot of horns blowing behind you exactly on, if you're in baton rouge it happens oh yeah oh yeah as soon as the light changes if the, if the yeah. traffic's not moving you get horns now in yours you won't get horns they just run over you yeah <laughs> <laughs> they just slam in the back of you that's it <laughs> but yeah yeah probably not a necessary thing but not a bad thing right just gonna put so. a little more wear and tear on the shift linkage there you go so you could get by with that one right hey we gotta take our third quick little break we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hey, Mike. Heading out for your run? <laughs> I just knocked out three miles myself. Yep. Did my meditation this morning to de-stress, and now I'm going to get a little exercise. Tomorrow I need to take the car into the shop, though. That shaking problem's getting worse. Uh, you know, you should take care of your car like you take care of your body, and it would save you some money. What do you mean? Preventative maintenance is key. Me and Kathy bring our cars in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They give them the once-over and perform the maintenance needed to keep us on the road. I haven't had any kind of major problem with my cars in forever. I guarantee they would have caught the cause of your shaking issue and fixed it before it became a problem. And probably saved me money, too. Yep. All right, I'm heading home this evening for steak and lobster. Then Kathy and I are going to test run our new hot tub. Surf and turf and a new hot tub? Yeah, and champagne. Saving money on your car allows you to enjoy the finer things in life, Mike, my boy. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. 
Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. we still got plenty of time. Just go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. We'll get you to us. And 225 will reach us from anywhere inside the continental United there you States. Go. Just go ahead and give us a call wherever you may be. You're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or Billings, Montana. There you go. <laughs> we will get you an answer to your questions. And we were talking about different things. Mm-hmm. During the break, there was a commercial, and I'm not going to mention names or anything. Right. But a lot of these extended warranty companies have popped up lately where you can buy an extended warranty on a used car they were real popular several years ago <laughs> and they have they kind of faded out yeah, and, and now they're coming back seems like. i mean i was getting them on my cell phone yeah advertisements as we'll cover your car so you don't even know what kind of car i got yeah or what kind of conditions in or anything else right i'm always really really nervous for these blanket type statements it's kind of like this is free when i hear the word this is free yeah i run I, yeah i am just <laughs> very very my angst just goes up about yeah. a thousand percent at that point because having been in business for 43 years i realize nothing is ever free exactly someone Somebody. pays for everything and yep. generally it's the guy who thinks he's getting something for free yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the most exactly. part but the way these work any extended warranty is just basically spreading the risk among a number of people. Sure. Now, if you look at the premium, whatever that premium might be, let's say it's $1,000 or okay. $2,000 or whatever it might be for the term of the policy, you got to remember they are going to spend a lot less than that on each car. Sure. Because that's where they make their money. They pay for these commercials. They pay a commission to the guy who sells it. They pay all kinds of stuff. That all comes out of that, and they still expect to make a really large profit. Sure. If they didn't, they w- they couldn't stay, couldn't do so, it. So statistically speaking, you are going to lose. Mm-hmm. Now, people say, well, yeah, I did. Okay, and I know a friend who hey, went to the some... casino, and he got on the roulette table, and he hit, and he won 1000 bucks. Right. And God bless him. I'm happy for him. But, you know, for everyone that does that, 1000 go in there and lose their money. Exactly. Same thing with the extended warranty. Most people are going to lose money on it. It's not going to be a money maker. You are far far better off to simply number one select a car with a good repair history yep in other words don't buy a car that's going to have a lot of problems going in and there are certain cars that are way more problematic than others number two take care of the car take the maintenance schedule that the manufacturer recommends as the absolute minimum blue sky right that is the minimum that is not well okay it'd be nice if i do this but it's okay if i don't you need to go to the severe service table most people do because most people are under severe service by their definition sure for instance if your average trip is less than 10 miles which most people's are yep. they get in a the car they go to work it's maybe four or five miles away they sit there they go to lunch it's a couple of miles they come back it's a couple of miles they go home you right. go to the grocery store whatever when you get in your car and start it, if you're not driving 50, 60, or 100 miles before you turn it off, you are probably under severe service. Yep. Short trips is one of the definitions. Another definition is stop and go traffic. If you're sitting idling for two, three minutes at a time, that's that considered se- severe service. Yes, it is. Now, in Baton Rouge, if you go through that red light at Corsi and Sherwood <laughs> Forest, you're, you're going to sit, sit for about four minutes. Yep. So that is severe service. Another thing is an ambient temperature up around 90, 95 degrees. Well, again, That's, six months out of the year. We're there. Yeah, you're going to be 95 degrees plus. So what you're saying is if we run that route that you're describing, mm-hmm. we're under severe service three times before we make it through the light. Right. Pretty much everybody in Baton Rouge, unless yep. you live in Baton Rouge and work way and, out of the city somewhere, are yeah. probably going to be in severe service. 
So you have to go to the severe service schedule. Now, that's where the 3,000-mile oil changes and the 30,000-mile transmission services and all those things are listed. Right. If you look at the blue sky perfect schedule, it'll say, yeah, go 100,000 miles on transmission service and go 100,000 miles on spark plugs and yeah, yeah, yeah. Under ideal conditions, if you don't want to go but 100,000 miles, that's probably okay. Sure. Because you got to throw the car away at that point. And most people go into a, a situation like that thinking that at 100,000 miles, I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to get rid of it and get Until 100,000 comes up and they mm. really don't have the available cash at that point because what they find out is their car is now worth about $3,000 and a new one is like $50,000. They don't have the 47 exactly. large to come up with the, the difference the, there. And the point is, we were talking about extended warranties and all, but the way they make money is, number one, there's a lot of things that aren't covered. Right. There are other things that are what I consider undercovered. For instance, if your transmission goes out, they are not going to put a new transmission or even a rebuilt transmission in many cases. They will put a used transmission. Mm-hmm. Read the fine print. It's in there. It gives them the right to specify what kind of part they're going to put on there. Right. They may also put aftermarket parts. They're not going to put original equipment parts. They do not cover a lot of things, and a lot of things they do cover, they do not cover for certain reasons or do not cover completely. Right. For instance, they may say, okay, this gasket failed, so we will cover the gasket. But not the component that We're not going to cover the fact that it overheated and and burned the head up because you should have quit driving it. So it's not going to cover that. We'll just cover the gasket. I had one where a guy came in, his lower ball joints were worn out. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, I got an extended warranty. Would you mind calling him? Sure. So I call the guy, and he says, are they broken or are they worn out? I said, they're worn. He says, we don't cover wear and tear. We only cover them if they break. Okay. So, okay, you want to drive around until the ball joint breaks and the wheel falls off? Right. Well, that's his choice. (laughs) But we don't cover wear and tear. That's their stipulation. Yeah, so you got to watch, and unless you are a Philadelphia lawyer, you're probably not going to be able to decipher all all the – Yeah, expertise stuff in here it's kind of like one at homeowners commercial where the guy says uh american engine broke was not covered he said well it's covered he's a fire breathing dragon yeah <laughs> <laughs> or a zombie attack or a zombie attack yeah right he says well that's not gonna happen but if it does you're covered that's it the <laughs> <laughs> same sort of a thing you got to remember warranties as they're being practiced are a product for sale for profit mm-hmm. and the way they make a profit is by denying claims and underpaying claims right That's how they're going to make more money because they've already got your money and now you're hoping to get some service back out of them. It's sort of like governmental services where they tax you, take the money, and then you're waiting on them to give you a service. And if you ever called a governmental agency and asked for any help, (laughs) you kind of know know where I'm going with that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying there aren't some that maybe work out, but man, for the most part, you're way better off to keep your money in your pocket and to go negotiate with your money in your pocket. You know, if, if I go to ups and say hey i need you to haul this package da 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 i'm gonna get one set of services there but if i call usps and say i didn't get my letter that was supposed to be mailed to me well you can go through you two days later you're still getting transferred to different departments yeah and still no letter and still no letter yeah exactly <laughs> and what gets me is that there was a time when a five cent stamp used to get you overnight delivery oh man <laughs> You're telling your age now. Yeah, that was just that was just expected. You, know, you put a stamp or you drop the mail, you get guy got next day. Every, right. Every single every time. time. But, yeah, when you pay up 
front, when someone has given their money out, it's kind of hire a contractor and say, tell you what, Mr. Contractor, I'm going to pay you in full before you ever haul a board over here or start cutting any lumber. Right. What? See how well that works out for you. All right. And I'm not saying if the guy is a peach and he's just a real good, honest guy, he's not going to still complete the project on time, done to a... But you know what I'm, where I'm going. Most time, if you got the money in your pocket, you got some chips you can negotiate. Exactly. Once you have spent the money and they got it, it's and you're done. waiting for them to give you some service, well, that's a whole different little oh yeah situation. So that's why I highly recommend against any kind of extended warranty, even the ones they sell with a new car. Just mm-hmm. buy the right car, take care of it, and you're not ever going to need it. Exactly. And I see we're just about out of time. Go ahead and start winding on up. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and. Get some more people listening. There you go. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be, and find the written review and fill it out for there us. There you go. If you can't find the written review space on your service, just go to Google and type Agco Automotive, which is our company name, and give us a Google review. That'll do just as much just good for us. Perfect. And we certainly appreciate it. Move us up in the rankings so we can keep on doing the show. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.